Well, friends, uh, my name is Austin. I am the lead pastor here, and it is just a joy to be here uh, on this Father's Day. So I want to say happy Father's Day to all of you that are in the room and online. Um, one of the things that uh, we uh, have a core distinctive about is not just talking about relationships, but being in relationship with one another. Um, and so the way that we do that is we take uh, five minutes at the top of our message time, and we provide a space for you to get to know one another around some coffee, and some treats, and some donuts. Uh, but today is a very very special theme Father's Day. And so you need to listen to these instructions really well. Because I'm looking at some of you, I won't name who, uh, but there's a place that you will not be allowed. If you are a dad in the room, we have a, a special table over by Mr. Kyle. Um, we have like pastries that are usually cut up, for, but dads, we got a whole donut for you. And so like, if I see any like young people or moms, let you know, I'm going to call you out. Uh, and so, but not only that, so we'll spend the next five minutes allowing you time to talk. Uh, and if you're like, oh no, I have to talk to somebody else. Don't worry. We give you a prompt on something to talk about. And today is a very special Father's Day theme is to share your best dad jokes. I know there's some dads in here that's got some zingers. And so if you know one of those dads, go get them because they are the best. We'll see you back in five minutes. Oh, well, it was so good to hear, um, your dad jokes. I will say that. Uh, if you had a good one, I need to hear them because the ones that I heard were terrible. Terrible. I won't name any uh, young people that told them to me. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but really, happy Father's Day. Um, we are in, we're just starting a series um, called Joyful. And um, we're walking through the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians, if you don't know, is all about Paul's joy uh, for this church that he had planted and these relationships that they had with the church. And so when we thought about summer, like, what do we want to desire to be as people? We want to be people that are full of joy, that we want joy to resonate in and out of us. And um, I have to call out somebody in the room, an older gentleman. Um, when I had started my tenure here at Pine Lake, um, I had mentioned something in the first few weeks about how I love Philippians and I uh, challenge our congregation just to spend time reading Philippians. And um, when I did, and then the next few weeks, um, I didn't mention it again. And he comes up after service and he's like, uh, so when are you going to follow through on your word and, and talk about people uh, reading through Philippians? And I was like, you just wait for it. You just wait for it. This is a shout out to the man who said I wouldn't follow up on it. Uh, but it's, <laughs> he's a dad as well. So, um, but no, it's really interesting. And so this is going to be a two-parter, uh, this series. And I have a question for you. And this is uh, something, this is a participatory thing. Because uh, at Pine Lake, uh, we believe faith is active and participatory and not passive. And so I have a question for you. Um, what do you rejoice over? What are you rejoicing? over lately. Anybody? Yeah. Friendship. Friendship. What are you rejoicing over? Vacation. Vacation what? Grandchildren. Grandchildren, right? Nobody said fathers yet. Oh my Lord. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> what else? Who else? Like, what are we, what are we, like, graduates in the room, right? Celebrating graduates. That's a huge thing. Anybody having birthdays? We celebrated a birthday on Friday. Yeah, yeah, birthdays. Uh, anniversaries. Big momentous. This is the question, and this is what Paul ends our section in text today. He ends it with this verse. He says, And in this I rejoice. And because of this, 
I rejoice. And in this, another version says it's in this, I rejoice. And so that question this morning is, what is this rejoice? What is the rejoice in Paul's heart that is coming out? And our big idea that we're talking about this morning is that word rejoice. Like when that question we ask, what do you rejoice in? Rejoicing is the natural outflow or should be the natural outflow of a heart that's full of joy. And so this morning, we want to look in Philippians chapter 1. So if you turn with me um, in your Bibles, whether you have physically in front of you, digitally in front of you, or you want to follow along on the screen, um, we're reading in Philippians 9 uh, through 18, part A. So uh, this is what it says. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guards and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of every envy, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love and knowing that I am being put here in defense of the gospel. And for the former, preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The most important thing in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So church, this word that we're talking about, rejoicing, rejoicing uh, is supposed to be an action that flows out of your heart. We talked about that, that rejoicing is the natural outflow from what is filling your heart. And so when we talk about that, that rejoicing is, and we have to remember the context of this, like we read it in our Bibles, but this was a letter that was delivered to people. It was written out of a love for Paul from his heart to his lips to the people who would then read it out loud to all of the church, right? So rejoicing flows out of Paul's heart to his lips to the people and to the ears of those that were listening. And so our Our desire when we're people who are joyful hearts are people who rejoice. Who rejoice that don't just well up this joy in our heart and then hold it there. But that joy comes out as an expression of the filled heart of joy. So it comes out in expressions in our lips, in our actions, to our people's ears and to eyes. And you might be asking, what are the ways that we rejoice as a church? And sometimes I think we participate in things that we don't even know we're already doing. And church, I want to encourage you that we are already and have already invited you in to be people who rejoice, who are practitioners of rejoicing. And so the way that we've done that this morning is that we've sung, right? We've read God's word. We've prayed. Like Paul in the start of his letter was like, hey, this is my prayer, right? That he is not only having the joy that he has for this people in his heart, but he's not only telling it to other, to the, all the people in Philippi, but he's also expressing it to God before he even writes the letter, right? In all of his prayers, which means this is not the first time that he has prayed in joy for the disciples. 
But God, his joy comes out from his heart to God's ear through his prayers. And so as people, we are people who pray and rejoice through our prayers. And if you want to, to know, and uh, my encouragement for you and challenge for you is whatever you're in, like if you want, if you're reading the Bible uh, in whatever places, what I want you to focus on this, this, this summer, maybe, um, is to see where joy happens in God and in his word. And where uh, the people of God rejoice, where God rejoices. And if you don't, if you aren't reading anything or you need help, like I would encourage you to walk through Philippians with us and and underline, highlight every time joy is mentioned or every time that an expression of joy comes out, because that is who we are as people. And the thing that I can't think of most outside of Philippians is um, is the Psalms. The Psalms are both a lament, but also have profound joy in them. And then I was reading and studying this this week. Uh, this one came to mind. It said this. In uh, um, chapter 68 of the Psalms, it said this. But let the, rejo- the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. And may they be happy and joyful is what mine says. But it also says up there, let, let the... Re- Righteous be glad and let them exalt God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. And this morning, I want us to do a little, like, grammar work. I hated grammar as a kid. Anybody else hate grammar? Oh, thank you. Some other people in here with me. But I think about it more and more is that sometimes we are so accustomed to words that we forget what they mean. Like, rejoice, like, it has that prefix re- Right? In front of it. And I don't know if you've like, it's everywhere, like remember, but rejoice is, rejoicing is not a singular act. Like, when Paul says he rejoices, it's not like the one time in the one season and the one part of the year he's like, I rejoice. Right? Like in graduation, could you imagine if like graduates didn't rejoice? After all they've done, they're just like, they get up there and they're like, thank you. My diploma. God. Like, how many of you parents would be like, why are we here? Wasting two and a half hours, three hours of my day, and my kid is just a bah humbug. Right? Like, or if you woke up this morning and your kids were like, you're the worst dad ever. Right? Like, <laughs> but no, really, like, this rejoice is something that the joy comes out again and again and again. Rejoicing, having joy again and again, it's a practice, it's a repetition that happens in your life frequently. When you rejoice, again, the joy that's welled up in your heart comes out again. It happened first in your heart or maybe in your head, and you rejoice as it comes out again in your life, in expressions, in the ways that you talk to one another. You do it again and again. And so as people, one of the things that I think we often do is that we understand life is hard. But I don't think we rejoice enough. I think we're so quick to lament, so quick to uh, to pray. It's like, God, this is what's hard in my life. And that's good. God wants to hear the cries of your heart. But he also, there's a whole part of how much God rejoices over you. He rejoices over the fact that you are his son or daughter and that you know him and that you love him and he's after you, that before you even moved in love towards him, he loved you first and rejoiced over you first. Before you rejoice over his good grace, he rejoiced over you. And so as people, we're supposed to be people that rejoice because the joy comes up from our heart again and again. And so we rejoice. But what does that rejoicing look like in Paul? Paul talks about two things in this section that I think is really important for us this morning. 
two good application points that I think gives you a way to step out of here and start to rejoice and be people who rejoice from a joyful heart. The first one is this, is that we rejoice in the gospel working in you. Like he writes at the beginning of, of this prayer, he goes, I pray for you. As he rejoices in who they are, his relationship to them, the things that he knows that is going on, that they're doing, and that he's hearing reports over, he is rejoicing, not, here's the thing, hear me church, he's not rejoicing in what they're doing, but who they are. How often we rejoice over the things that people do and not who they are. They were quick to praise when my son or my daughter do something in obedience. Because I want that to be a repetition. But how often do I just rejoice over the fact that they jump into your arms when you come home and they're like, Dad, Mom, I love you. Hugs, kisses. How often do you just rejoice over the fact that they are a gift to you from God? Your friends, same thing. When you walk into the room and you don't get advantage of them, that you rejoice the fact that God gave them life and they put that life in proximity to you and you rejoice over them because of who they are. I wonder what would change in the church if the church like centered themselves around rejoicing in who people were and not what people did. Out of the flow of their heart, they find joy in people, not in their production and what they produce. In a world where people value more on what you produce, the church is a place that rejoices over who you are. And so we rejoice over who you are. Paul says it this way in his prayer for them. And I want you to listen to it and what he is rejoicing over. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. That you will keep growing in your knowledge and understanding. And for what I want you to understand is what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. He wants them to find and follow Jesus, to become people that are mature followers of Jesus who love him and love one another. And that the only reason that they know how to love, you think about this, you're like, but isn't that love a do thing? Ask yourself this. The only way you understand fully how to express love is by knowing the love that you've received. I remember the day that my first kid was born. I thought I had an idea of what love was when my wife was standing in there and the, um, when we were getting married. I had no idea. And that moment wasn't like all of a sudden my kid introduced it to me. But God introduced me and said, that's the same love I have for you. Because you breathe the breath and you were fearfully and wonderfully made, I rejoice over you. He, Paul is saying, the thing that I want you to know is that I'm so excited and so stoked about what God is doing in you, Philippians. Because what he's doing in you flows out in what you do. And so I'm going to rejoice in the way that you're becoming more like Christ. Church, fathers, can I tell you something? Can I challenge you something? My prayer for you, is that we would begin to rejoice in our kids and what matters most. Because what you rejoice over them is what they will strive for. The ways that you rejoice and find joy in them is the thing that they will strive after. And so if it's accolades, if it's production, if it's status, if it's obedience, 
They'll do it for you to, to desire your love and your affection and the joy that you have over them because of what they do. But dads, rejoice over them because they're your child. And that you don't deserve them, but they are a gift to you. Just this way, you don't, you don't deserve friends. You don't deserve this job. But we're people who rejoice because we know we don't deserve it. But they are gifts from the Father who loves us. And that is my desire as a dad. Like, I love that my kids love to read. I love that they love to learn, like, how to do all these new things here in the Pacific Northwest. I love that they love to hike. I love that they love to be out and paddleboard. I love that they do all to do that. But one of the things that I will always remind myself is the one thing that matters most. I don't care what they become as long as they love Jesus. I absolutely don't care. And I will tell you this right now, and you can hold me in check. I do not care what in the world they do or how well they do it as long as they love Jesus. And so as a dad, as a father, as a husband and as a pastor, I want to remind you, and my thing and my encouragement to you will be that I want to rejoice over you in what matters most, that you find and follow Jesus in whatever you do, and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And so I say, church, look at the ways that I've been here 18 months and I've watched you grow in your love for Christ, in your discipleship, in your worship, in your prayer, in your devotion, in your generosity. I've seen that God has done a work in you, in your character, that when I look at Pine Lake, I say that in our character and who we are becoming, we are becoming, like Kyle said, more like Christ. And so that when people come and they see us, they don't see the accolades that we we say we are so good at, but they see people that really love God and really love one another. And so in this, I rejoice over you, friends, that you have become more like Christ. And that is my only goal. My only desire is for us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But not only that, the other thing that Paul rejoices over is that he rejoices that the gospel is advancing through you. Not only is the gospel of Jesus Christ working in you to form your character, your devotion, your discipleship, the way that you rejoice, but in that working in you, that the gospel is working and being advanced through you. Paul doesn't say, I'm so glad that you are becoming more and more like Jesus so that the gospel can advance only through me, Paul. So you better bring me back so that the gospel can continue to advance because I am God's chosen person. No, he's so excited. And this is what I think sometimes, like, I want to get as the church, and for the, like, not only Pine Lake, but the global church, especially the Western church, is that we rejoice that the gospel is advancing through you, not the lead or celebrity pastor. Not through the worship pastor who can write incredible songs. Well, I love Maverick City and other pastors who are doing good work. But my prayer would people would start to believe more and more that the gospel is working not through a few individuals, but through the body of Christ. I mean, I look around here and the stories and the people that are here, the gospel is advancing because of you. Because when you leave this place in the way that you love one another, the way that you live grace-filled lives, the way that you forgive and have mercy on one another is touching and putting up against and rubbing up against other people's lives. And they're saying, you are different than the rest of the world. Why? 
And it's because you're, you say it's because of my devotion and love for Jesus. That he's been working in and through me. And I rejoice over the good thing that God has been doing in me. And thus it comes out in my rejoicing, in my actions, in my words. The gospel is advancing through you. I, I was just looking at the back of this past year, and I want to I want to just name a couple things in our church that I've been seeing the gospel working in and through you. At the beginning of the year, we did a series on the Holy Spirit, and you saw stories of people sharing the way that the Holy Spirit has moved in them in the past and currently, and all I've heard over the last six months is more and more stories of where people are recognizing the Holy Spirit in their lives and acting upon that so that others might be encouraged, forgiven, invited in. We've seen baptisms and we are going to see baptisms of people and their lives who have been changed, who have given their life to Christ. And that is because of the work that you have been doing in one another. That the gospel, if you look around, people have been invited here, not because we have something that we give away every weekend. But because the people here that God has been working through you to say, I found a place where I can find and follow Jesus with people. That we can do it together. Church, we've seen it in places where people have stepped up and said, I want to serve. I want to give of my time. I want to come and serve on Tuesdays together. I want to serve in small groups. I want to serve in Sunday mornings so that people can know that they are welcomed, loved, and valued when they walk and step on our campus. You have opened your doors. You have opened your homes. You have opened your lives so that people, so that God can have an opportunity to move and work the Holy Spirit through you into those that don't know him yet. And I see that all over this place. You know, I know because I wasn't once I was I wasn't here once. And if it wasn't for the way that God has worked through you, I wouldn't have been like, God, ah, this place, mm, no, it scares me. Why? Because the gospel doesn't work through them. But when you look and you hear the forty years and all that have come before and the all that will come before, I know that the gospel is working through Pine Lake and will continue to Pine Lake because once it doesn't, it won't exist anymore. So take a moment. And rejoice because the gospel advances through sons and daughters, through you. You don't have much, you don't have much to do or far to look than this place to say, God, I don't know how your kingdom is moving. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to pause and look around here and understand that you are a part of what God is doing in the kingdom. And so God rejoices at the work that he's doing in you and through you. And so that should be on your lips. God, I am so thankful for God, what you are doing in me, but also what you're doing through me. And so that when I go out into this place, that this joy that is welled up in my soul, that I know that God is working in me and through me, he's working in you and through you, should come out in the places in which you go. And it has and it will. And Paul says, this is why I rejoice. Before he gets into the greater part of teaching, he begins with this. 
I rejoice in this. I rejoice in you because God is working in you and he's working through you. Church, I hope you hear the encouragement. I hope you hear and feel that the, that the, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, and opening up space in your head and in your heart to allow the truth and allow joy to rest in your heart and in your mind so that you might rejoice in the goodness of our God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we take a moment right now, not later on and not when we feel like we have the time, but right now you're speaking, I know you are. God, what joy are you wanting to speak to us? What joy have you been placing in our lives that are so evident, but yet we might not have eyes to see? God, you said, those that have ears... Let them hear. Those that have eyes, let them see. So God, would you reveal? Would you reveal the joy in our hearts and minds? God, what ways are you calling us to rejoice, to respond, to be practitioners of joy in our lives? God, is there someone that we need to have words of encouragement for? Because we've been seeing, we've been watching, we've been listening, and we see that God is doing something in their lives, and we just need to name it. We need to encourage and rejoice over someone. God, where in our lives do we need to acknowledge that, that you're not done with us, that you have begun a good work, and we need to see and have joy in the work that you've done in us? We pray and give joy to you. God, where do we need to be people who practice joy, who rejoice again and again? To whom, how through? May we not be people that are passive, but as a God who you have pursued us, May we pursue one another. May we rejoice in one another. Not because of the good job that they do. Because of the brother and sister in Christ they are to us. God, do what only you can do. Change our hearts. Rewrite our minds. We ask this in your name.